The interviews and discussions in this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to the Explorers podcast. Today we're off to Brazil, a sort of spiritual home for Garampero, given the Garampero name actually comes from the Portuguese word in the country for an independent prospector or miner. And it has to be said that Garampero has a liking for any junior resources company that has Big in its name. We've got that today with Big River Gold, the long-time Brazilian specialist which now trades on the stock exchange under the code BRV, or Bravo Romeo Victor to be sure. I say now, as the company was originally Crusader Resources, which listed in 2004 as a WA explorer before heading off to Brazil, where it got involved in iron ore for a time before securing the Borborima Gold Project in the northeast of the country. The 2.43 million ounce Borborima Gold Project is what the company is all about now, with its new name, a share consolidation, a new look board and management team, and a capital raising back in December, all combining to give real momentum to the push to get Borborima into production. Big River is trading at 37 cents for an undiluted market cap of 81 million. That's interesting when compared with the market caps of, say, WA Gold producers with a similar 80,000 ounce a year production profile at an all-in sustaining cost of around US $700 an ounce like Borborima has. We've got Big River's Executive Chairman, Andrew Richards, with us today to give us a rundown on the company and its plans to get the project into production and reverse the apparent discount in the market's valuation of the company compared with its Aussie gold peers. So with that, I'm going to say, hi, Andrew, uh, welcome to the podcast and thanks for your time today. Uh, Good morning, Barry, and thank you for inviting me. All right. Andrew, I don't think we need to go back over the company's long history in Brazil, but it would be great if you could uh, give us a snapshot of your professional background as, as well as that of uh, Borborima at, uh, up until this point in time. Uh, of course. Um, well, obviously, my background is technical. I was trained as a geologist and spent a fair bit of time in exploration. Uh, and then after a short spell in, uh, in teaching, I came out into mining. Um, Came back to Western Australia, chief geologist at New Celebration and also Telfer Gold Mine through the big drill outs there. Uh, And then spent some time, several years, in fact, uh, uh, in the banking environment looking at project finance, which was uh, a great learning curve for me before deciding that, gee, I can do this too. Um, And and went at my own and did a few other things and found it was not as easy as I had thought looking at inside. Uh, So I spent a lot of time working around the world, a lot of time in China, Africa, Asia and certainly South America. Uh, and most recently, I was asked to uh, uh, help out with uh, Borborima a couple of years ago. Uh, sorry, not so much Borborima, but as it was then, Crusader Resources, uh, to help out at that stage after they'd gone to the A to the AIM in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, came on board and uh, had a look at a lot of the assets that they had and uh, decided, well, I had a look at this project in Borborima and I just couldn't believe it hadn't been started earlier on. It does have its own issues, uh, and I'll certainly come to those in a second, but it was a, it was a great asset. A very large asset, in many ways a low-risk asset, uh, but obviously there were a few issues that had to be done. So we got rid of our non-core assets uh, and, and, and focused on this. Uh, we finished a, a DFS on the project uh, in late 2019, updated that last year. In fact, I'm updating again now, which I can come to shortly. But mm-hmm. uh, it's a great asset uh, in many ways. Uh, and the guys who did some work on it uh, did some excellent work on it. It did suffer at the time 
uh, from a lack of water, which is a bit strange given that we're in, uh, we called ourselves Big River, which was actually the name after, uh, uh, named after the state that we're in in, in, uh, Portu in Brazil, which is in Portuguese uh, Rio Grande de Noche. So the irony is not lost on me. There's not much in the way of big rivers there. It's uh, quite an arid environment. Now, uh, before moving into the DFS, the updated DFS, and some of the the, the key figures there, I, I guess we better cover off on COVID. Uh, how's that? Uh, how's the company dealing with that? And uh, is any project delays or other issues? Well, look, yes, it has caused project delays, um, perhaps uh, indirectly rather than directly. Uh, there has been a reticence by financiers and other groups, uh, certainly over the last year when we were actually actively looking at finance. There was a lot of interest, but uh, less interest in going to Brazil when there were so many other great projects being in development around the world, including Western Australia and Canada and others. Uh, I think that's changed somewhat. Uh, but in t directly, uh, I think the only thing that's really affected us uh, has been uh, exploration of the wider area. Uh, mm -hmm. We're at that stage of the project where a lot of our work is uh, can be done remotely, uh, in detailed engineering online, uh, out of engineering offices rather than on site. But having said that, we do get to site uh, when we need to. It's just that we're not in the physical stage of construction right now, so that's uh, reduced the need for us to be there. Right. Occasionally we have site visits. We are very close to the international airport. Uh, you can get flights into Natal from Lisbon or Miami, and then simply a two-hour drive to site. So. Uh, we have had that on occasion when people look at our project recently. Right, okay. Uh, you mentioned DFSs and updated DFS. Uh, run through some of the key figures for us. Uh, the one that jumped out at me was uh, potentially a bit dark at the conservative gold price uh, of around uh, US $72 million. Yes, look, I think it's um, we did a, a DFS and pulled a whole lot of information together late 2019, December, in fact. Uh, and as always, you can always keep finding these over and over again, and that's possibly part of the issues. But... Uh, we looked at that again in the middle of the year, and uh, uh, it certainly worked out very well. What we looked at doing was a stage approach to the project. I mean, it's a big project, um, but as I mentioned earlier on, the big issue facing this project uh, is the lack of water in the region to support the process. Um, so uh, what was redesigned to start the project off was a smaller operation with a view to go to expansion at some stage when we've got sufficient water, but we actually um, we address the water issue by recycling water out of the tailings. So we dry stack the tailings and therefore there's no need for a tailings dam, which in the current climate in Brazil is uh, yeah. very positive for us. Mm -hmm. uh, we, uh, we also looked at uh, enhancing the dams, but also importantly, we secured the rights to the liquid sewage from a nearby uh, city about 30 kilometres away, which we intend to pipe down the main highway, treat and purify on site and then use that in the process. Uh, and that really was the only limiting thing on getting this into production, even when it was first done, the first feasibility study in um, 2014. Uh, at the time, of course, the gold price was very low, but the issue was water. Now, we've addressed the water, I've got to say, in every other way, mm. uh, we have all our licenses. and We're fully ready to go with our environmental, our construction, our, our mining license. So the DFS, getting back to your question, Barry, sorry about that, distracting that, um, we, it, the two million tonne per annum operation that we put forward in the feasibility study threw off a lot of cash, uh, even at the uh, relatively low gold price we used of $1,550 an ounce. So the IRR pre-tax is about 65%. Uh, the payback's just over a year, and of course, if you increase the price you get for the gold, then obviously that improves a lot. So we should expect to get uh, the average EBITDA per year is about 72 to $80 million mm. a year, I would imagine, going forward. And as you're right, the, the cash cost is very, very good. We're uh, one of the lowest cost producers in, in the country, or will be, 
uh, at 713, all in sustaining cost. And the first few years of that, of course, when we actually produce a higher rate of, of gold, is even less, but below 700. Mm. Now, the you mentioned the two million tonne per annum um, scenario, uh, processing, the mining processing, right? But uh, as uh, you both keep saying, it's a big resource, 2.43. What are, uh, is two million tonnes per annum going to be... Uh, stage one and maybe crank up to four million tonnes per annum over time or what's the plan? Uh, we, we, we don't know exactly what we're going to crank it up to but certainly we're working on the number of four million because that's what we are permitted to. Um, I'm increasingly of the view that we will do that sooner than later and the comfort for that is that we're getting some really positive feedback and news. I mean right now our people in Brazil are actively looking for additional sources of water and we think we without without um putting too much out there, I think we're well on the track to securing that. As soon as that happens, I think we can start looking at the full feasibility and increasing it uh, to 4 million tonnes per annum. But that will require a few other things, like moving the road and moving the power line and uh, getting more permissions. But you know, we're on track for that. So our stage one is currently looking at doing uh, 2 million tonnes per annum over 10 years, which only mines less than half the resource reserve. No. Uh, I imagine if we can start looking at getting an expansion on that, we will start earlier. So I don't know. I think it will change a fair bit. But without, without forecasting too much right now, that's kind of what we're doing at the moment. Uh, I might add, you mentioned in your, uh, in your preview that we raised 15 million US or 20 million Aussie um, at the end of last year. That did two things for us. We were looking at, firstly, continuing on with detailed engineering to the feed process, the EPCM and the construction. Uh, but it also gave us the opportunity, I guess, to introduce some really good shareholders onto the register, um, uh, which have, I think, a lot of experience in gold, both in the production, the investment, uh, and what have you, really re recognised, mostly North American and European groups. And I think what we have now is a very well-aligned share register with the task we have ahead of us in developing this project. So I think prior to that, last year when we were going for financing, I think the elephant in the room was, how can this small Australian company developed this very large project in Brazil, can they you know, meet all the requirements? But I think what's happened now with the change in our shareholder register, uh, I think we're being perceived in a much different view this year. But as part of that, um, I guess what is now our major shareholder, Dundee Goodman, um, is 19%. I mean, one of the questions they asked us was one of the questions we've been asking ourselves. Have we developed, have we prepared, Design the two million tonne per annum plant with the most efficient use of capital so that if we do go to an expansion, it's not going to impede um, production in the, in, or we're not going to reinvent the wheel, we're not going to spend or waste money. So the question was, was, was posed, and we quite agree with that. Can we do an option study to see that we've got the most efficient use of capital? Mm. And that was finished, uh, I think, about a month ago. Uh, and indeed, it came out with some really, really interesting things that we've actually caused ourselves to redesign certain aspects of the of equipment, over-designed certain um, things like crushers, gold room thickeners. And so that what we've got now is a 2 million tonne per annum plant that can be efficiently, readily and quickly upgraded to whatever expansion number we use. And we're working off a working number of 4 million tonnes per annum, which I think is a very reasonable number to target, uh, with a minimum of fuss and a minimum of additional cost. Uh, now, obviously, on top of that, uh, while we're doing that, we're also freshening up our uh, vendor costs uh, because obviously with a, with a DFS that was done in 2019, some of those are a little bit stale, so we're freshening those up, and we should be going back to see uh, several financiers who have been discussing things with us, I think, um, by the middle of this year. Uh, 
I had a look at uh, some of those optimizations, the you know the bigger sag mill, the right sizing, the CIL tanks. Um, the only area that the power. What's the story with power in that part of the world? Well, we get cheap, we get very cheap power there. Uh, we uh, we were tapping into the uh, the regional grid line. Uh, we've mm-hmm. been provided with a substation in the nearest town of Curtis Novos, mm-hmm. uh, and we will just do a. Uh, uh, a pipeline, uh, sorry, a power line from their spur line down to the site to another substation that we'll install on our site. Uh, so it's all, it's all um, very efficient. We only get about eight cents a kilowatt, which is which is very cheap for power is it, in that region. Is it hydro power? Yes. All right. So you'll be producing uh, green gold with the help of sewage water and hydro power. Well, our ESG characteristics are pretty good. Uh, we uh, we clean, clean, clean up the sewage and we clean up, do a, uh, uh, put a lot of employment. We actually we, uh, sort of use the local power, uh, provide facilities to a, a fairly impoverished area. It's very high unemployment there. Um, but having said that, it's in many ways very sophisticated in terms of mining. There's a lot of services and, and things you can do. Mm-hmm. And our infrastructure is great. And where we are, you know, if you think of Brazil, people think of Garamperas, they think of uh, jungle, rainfall, uh, they think of you know, the Amazon. Well, don't think of any of that because it's not there. We don't mm. have uh, jungles or illegal miners or indigenous issues or reserves. It's a, it's a very flat terrain. The infrastructure is great on the mm. main highway, two hours from the main capital. It's, uh, uh, it's pretty good. And I, I guess we should mention that uh, a lot of the pre-strips done because uh, Borbering was a producer back when, roughly. Oh, look, a couple of decades, a few decades I had to go now. But I've I got to say that there's not a huge pit there. That, that They made efforts there to uh, uh, to do a, a, a leach operation for yeah. the shallow oxide that's there. Mm-hmm. But there isn't a lot of oxide. It's mm. pretty much fresh to the surface. Uh, and then it goes a small transition zone. Uh, so, yes, the... Uh, We'll have to do a, a bit of pre-strip, about a four to one in stage one. Yep. Um, and then, of course, the way there's pit design at the stage at the moment, we will go up to within 50 metres of the road for the open pit. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a thick ozone outcropping at surface and it goes down very deep. It hasn't been drilled out at all. Assuming uh, financing is, say, wrapped up this quarter or early next quarter, when could you be in production? If we... If we get our project, if we get our financing away, I would suggest, well, with all the documentation and legals and due diligence by the third quarter of this year, then we could be in, on the ground, I think, uh, well, sorry, we'll finish at EPC and our detailed engineering as you always do, but we should be on the ground uh, sometime um, second quarter next year, and it's about 12 months construction, 15 months construction um, after that, so sometime in 2023. Right. Uh, hopefully, uh, the, co- uh, the country is well and truly emerged from uh, COVID by then. But I guess one advantage over there would be costs vis-a-vis, uh, say, the WO, uh, WA gold scene, as well as uh, you know accessing the you know the skilled labour. Yeah, look, very much so. As I said a moment before, it's, it's a very sophisticated mining culture over there. There's a lot of things you can get um, in terms of labour, contractors, trucks. Um, assaying, um, most of the steelworks and fabrication can be done there as well. So, yes, and, of course, the currency has moved significantly in our in our favour. Uh, I think when we uh, did our first DFS in 2019, to December 2019, it was uh, uh, four real to the, uh, to the US dollar. It's now five, which makes a significant impact on all of our costs because about 70% of our costs will be in local currency. Uh, so it certainly has helped us. Okay. Now, uh, 
Interestingly, the, uh, while you're focusing on getting into production, I see that a recommitment to exploration. Uh, I think it's the first <laughs> since 2014. Yeah, look, it's, I've got to say, uh, when this was put on the back burner at that time, I think uh, the focus on the area sort of dropped off, shall I say. Uh, there were a lot of other things to look at in Brazil, and there still are. I mean, mm. get going. there's a lot of things we can look at, but right now we're focused on this. But, yeah, look, I think um, there's... We can't. I don't really want to go into the, the wider region of exploration at this stage, but given the coronavirus restrictions, uh, mm-hmm. but we can put a, a rig on site, and we will. In fact, we've got a rig there at the moment doing some geotechnical work for the dams, but it's better managed and better controlled. So we'll put a rig on site, a couple of rigs on site, and we will d- draw around the area that have, we have a pit design on for several reasons. One, uh, I guess, proof of concept. We want to sh- demonstrate that this ore zone is continuing at depth, uh, at, you know, between thirty-five and fifty meters thick. Um, not going to a lot of holes in there because, of course, that's going to be some years before we access it, but it's a proof of concept. But of more immediate accuracy is we have some very high-grade plunging chutes that haven't been tested outside the current bit design. won't take much to test those. And we have about 500,000 ounces uh, of resource in inferred category, which means uh, if we can convert that to indicated and therefore into reserve, we have a better chance for even better economics for the pit. Uh, at the moment, our reserve is about 1.6 million ounces. Uh, if we can convert all or part of that inferred resource, that will uh, take us to a much greater size and, again, validate the need to expand the plant because, as you say, 2 million tonnes per annum plant is perhaps not the optimal size for this size deposit. Mm, okay. Now, there has been a reference. I don't know whether it's a big deal in the overall scheme, but uh, it's not a subject I know much about. Uh, mica. Uh, oh. which perhaps <laughs> yeah. produce a mica concentrate for the paints and plastics industry. What's the story there? Yeah, look- that was that comes out of my banking background, I guess. I, I guess being an expert before, I was always traditionally into a base metals and gold environment. But working in the bank for a while, I saw a lot of really good industrial mineral projects that uh, they're not very sexy. They don't get the headlines, but they they when you get a, a good one, they actually can produce um, some really good returns for the uh, producers. Uh, we had a look at mica. mica. There's a lot of mica in this in this ore. There's about thirty percent of the ores of the ore that goes into the mill is is mica. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got to treat it because it does carry gold, um, and it, and the recovery from mica is very good, still ninety two percent recovery. But at the end of it, after you've treated it, processed it, and uh, dewatered it, so it's reasonably dry when it comes out, you have a lot of mica. Now you can put that through a magnetic separator very easily, and uh, because we've got cheap power, um, it won't cost much to produce a mica concentrate. So I pose the question: Is there a market for this? And um, as it appears, uh, yes, it does. Um, uh, certainly for the it's a it's an iron rich flogger pipe that we have rather than the bitolder muscovite and and that does uh, have a place in the as a filler in the polymer market uh, mm-hmm. in the plastics area uh, and again coming back to our earlier comment about ESG uh, there has been some interest in that because it uh, it is seen as ethical mica, whereas a lot of the mica that's been produced around the world is has some issues with either, either environmental issues or child exploitation uh, problems. Okay. Uh, so there is some interest in that. And look, uh, we have spoken to uh, people about that, and there is interest in having an offtake, but we're actually still negotiating that and defining what kind of product that will be. But if we can get that as a, a low-cost buy credit, um, that changes, again, the economics of the pit. I mean, it adds you know, a certain mm. amount of grade gold, gold equivalent uh, to the design. Um, uh, so, yes, I don't want to speak too much about it because one of the issues I have with micro is that I don't want this project to ever be thought of as being a great project 
because it's got buy credits. Credit. Yeah. That's not yeah. the case at all. This this thing is a great product project, just standalone. Standalone, yeah. Uh, okay. The micro is just a nice little add-on. Mm, okay. Uh, in my opening, I suggested that uh, there's a disconnect between the you know, apparent value of the, the project and you know, the potential for a near-term production and upscaling. When you compare it to uh, what's going on in the WA gold scene, uh, what's going to be required, you think, to uh, overcome that discount and get it full, uh, properly valued, do you think? Yeah, look, I, I'm not sure entirely that uh, the Brazilian a Brazilian location is best appreciated in Australia. I think there's been a few issues in the past with that. But mm-hmm. I think over the last year or so in particular, the whole West Australian market has been in some ways overvalued. If you compare mm-hmm. the dollar per ounce, uh, valuation of these companies compared to those on the TSX, uh, there is a premium for being at WA without a doubt. Um, and I think the safety uh, ability to move around, getting equipment, uh, has been part of that, which is why a lot so many companies have moved back to Western Australia to work. Uh, I think what will be the catalyst for us, we have demonstrated that we have some really good calibre people who who like the project, who are on the, on the register. Um, we have the ability to do that. But when we start looking at getting and securing finance, I think that will be the first trigger. And as we then start um, providing more announcements going forward, say exploration, development, uh, engineering achievements, agreements in terms of additional water, I think you're going to start seeing those will kick along. But right now we don't have a, a lot of news flow and that's, that's, that's killing us a little bit, to be honest. Mm. Um, you know, if we were drilling, if we had rigs turning every day, we'd have announcements coming out every second week. Uh, but we just don't have that. We're in the engineering phase and it's, and it's kind of like low, lower key uh, lesser demonstrable milestones, but nevertheless, they're all incredibly important. Right now on site, we're doing so much work in terms of the uh, power line engineering, approvals, the, uh, uh, getting land, uh, for putting the power lines and, and pipelines in, uh, putting the dams in there, ge- geotech. There's a lot of work being done, but it's not the sort of work that actually screams from the height, from the uh, rooftops by us, by us. <laughs> yeah. the value. So well, there we go. Uh, an interesting project, an interesting part of the world, obviously. All the best Brazil overcoming COVID. I'm sure they'll get there. Um, now, you do have some uh, major re-rating uh, points coming along, financing and uh, obviously the eventual move, uh, FID, to get into production and then uh, yes. first production. So as you go along that pathway, Andrew, all the best. Uh, we'll be watching with interest and good luck with it all. Oh, thank you so much, Barry. Good to speak to you. Cheers.